And welcome back to Zoom with Zarni. Thank you very much for coming in uh, and uh, uh, being with us today. Uh, today is Thursday, September 24th. We're uh, taping this about 530. Uh, although the broadcast will be on uh, Friday, September 25th. Uh, we have another one of our virtual town halls uh, and interviews here tonight uh, with uh, Gail Tosh, who is running in the 120th Assembly District. Uh, that uh, in Onondaga County is the town of Lysander. However, uh, all of Oswego County uh, going north and part of Jefferson County. Um, and I, I want to take this moment to welcome Gail to the program. Gail, thank you very much for being willing to come on Zoom with Zarni. Dustin, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity, really. We all know how busy you are and the dedication that you put into everything. So this is just a fantastic opportunity for us and, and thank you. I well, do have you to know, correct you though, Dustin, it's not all of Oswego County. And I think a lot of people think that. There are three towns that are not included. Uh, the town of Oswego, I have the city, but not the town. Right. Also the town of Hannibal, and the town of Minetto. So it's not quite all of us. Really. Not quite. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and I'll know that when I do the stats on your race uh, uh, next week. Uh, but, uh, so it's not quite all of us, Rio County, that's, that's good to know. Um, but Gail, um, you know, one of the reasons we did this uh, with the United Democrats is we wanted to give a platform to candidates because Everything's changed now. The way we campaign, the way we, uh, you know, talk to voters, but also the way we, you know, go out there and uh, just, you know, figure out how we're going. There's no more door to door. You know, at least this year, there's no more. Uh, um, you know, and, and we all have different ways of communicating. So these videos are just another in a, in an important way of trying to get out there and talk to voters. But also, it's kind of my way to say thank you to candidates who have put their time and energy in the running and you have done that uh and and uh continue to do that and you deserve uh you know some praise for that as well oh, thank uh, you. so gail uh, a lot of the people listening may not know uh you but i wanted to tell us a little bit about yourself what's your background yeah sure before i get to my background i'd like i'd like to go ahead and and discuss uh the COVID is that you were talking about because I do, I have been running for office and thank you for uh, thanking me for that. But honestly, I have a pretty good time doing it. Uh, I enjoy meeting people and knocking on the doors. And that's one of the things that's been really different this year. We're not knocking on any doors. Um, so the campaign has really had to swivel and pivot and make new connections uh, where we could. One of the things, um, that we've been doing since the beginning is making a lot of phone calls. You know, there's no more knocking on doors. We've been making phone calls, uh, making sure in the beginning that everyone had what they needed during the COVID lockdown, that no one was left without necessities and things like that. Um, but we have a fantastic digital campaign. We are on Facebook with lots of different types of videos. We email videos, we're on Twitter, um, and we have a YouTube channel. So I think that even though campaigning looks different, we are finding new roads to get to where we want to go to meet uh, the voters. Um, and, and these are, this is great because as we move through COVID and into our eventual recovery period, we're going to have new skills. 
we're going to take some of what we've learned during this time and move it into our future. So I'm really excited about everything that's going to that's going to come out of this. Um, but back to me, you know, I am a political candidate, so there's nothing I like talking about more than myself. <laughs> uh, I'm a farmer. Uh, my wife and I own a farm out here in Baldwinsville where we raise chickens and two boys. Um, I'm also an educator with West Hill School District. Teaching kind of runs in my family. It's what brought us, my family, to this uh, area back when I was in high school. My father was a professor with Syracuse University. He taught business management. Um, and my mom taught right here in Baldwinsville Baker High School for over 25 years. So there are lots of families here in Baldwinsville who have either grown up with my mom as a teacher or she has taught their, their children. She just loved teaching high school. I, good for her. <laughs> but uh, I actually learned how to teach English as a second language so that I could move overseas and live for a while. Um, I brought that skill back home to the United States and I taught English to refugees in the city of Syracuse through Catholic Charities when I first got back. And uh, right now I'm homeschooling my child because I'm just, I just want to see what's going to happen this, this first semester, <laughs> you know, you know, Dustin with the schools and everything. I just don't know what's safe and what's not safe. Yeah, we're doing the same. Um, and, and that, so that must be an interesting uh, juggling aspect for you uh, <laughs> running for office, tending a farm, homeschooling uh, your, your, your child and uh, uh, you know, and, 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 and that's enough, right? I mean, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, it is, it is. And I'm, I'm the first, we're into the second full week now of school. And I think we're getting it a little more under control. But yes, it's, it presents some scheduling difficulties for sure. <laughs> Especially when you get involved with something your child's doing and you forget that you, you know, have maybe a, a, an 11 o'clock meeting. But uh, <laughs> yeah. But right. I know we're all, Go ahead, Dustin. Right, well, um, and you're not in a small race. You're in a race uh, for the 120th Assembly District. And uh, we, we should mention that your opponent has been in this district for quite some time, but he's also the minority leader of the New York State Assembly. So Will Barkley. So this is not a easy race. So this, is, this is a hard race. And uh, I, uh, what, what do, you, what do you, why are you doing this? Why are you putting up this fight? Um, I, I think that's what I think people want to know. Sure. So, I've been interested in politics for a long time, and as a kid, I thought, oh, maybe someday I'll run for senator or something like that. But in 2016, I sat down with my popcorn and my root beer, and I was ready to watch Hillary Clinton become the first female president of the United States. And we all know really how that turned out. And I'm just never going to forget the shock of watching Hillary Clinton lose to Donald Trump. And it hit me that night that I had done nothing, nothing to create the future that I wanted to see. I relied on other people to take care of it. And it turned out that, you know, what happened was not what I wanted to see. The only person I could blame was myself. So I reached out to the Democratic Party in the area and I said, hey, you know, what can I do? And they said, well, we could really use people to run for office. I started looking around at the local, the local uh, elections and it turns out that most of our local authorities run unopposed. 
And when we have people who run unopposed, the voters don't get a voice. And I can't think of anything more un-American than that. And I truly believe in America. Um, there are things about our country that, that just were the first in the entire world. It's sometimes hard to remember that our government, our constitution is, is really the rough draft for so many governments around the globe. And there are parts of our Declaration of Independence that really just, they just hit me right in the heart. And those words are, we are all created equal. We all have the same rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. When I hear those ideals, I know I'm in America. I know I'm home. You know, I've lived in other countries. I know it's not all the same there as it is here. But the truth is, I haven't seen these ideals being represented by our assemblymen. So I'm running because <laughs> I wanna make sure that we all have the same access to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So, um, and that's amazing. And, and that's why we're all in this, right? I mean, nobody got rich on public service. Uh, you know, we're, we're all in this, um, especially on our side of the aisle. But we're all in this to try to make our homes better and make our neighbors better and, 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 and do all that. So what do you think is missing in the district? What would you like to bring to this seat that is not being brought right now? Sure. So our district is rural and it's poor. Poverty is one of the biggest, um, the, the biggest issues that we face. And that affects lots of different things. It affects our healthcare choices. It affects, uh, well, we have high employment. That's why a lot of us are living in poverty and our schools are affected because, you know, our taxes go to, to fund those. So the biggest issue I think that we need to address is the lack of broadband, reliable broadband service in our district. Um, I've experienced it myself. When I'm out there trying to find uh, an address of the one Democrat who lives out in the middle of nowhere and I go to try and find their, their door and I lose my GPS service. And I think to myself, well, this is pretty irritating. You know, like I'd like to be able to, to drive around. And when I get, when I got to that house, when I talked to that person about their internet, they said, well, we don't even have internet here. We don't have a cell phone. I don't own a computer. And I was just, I was just shocked that in 2020, when we rely on our technology for everything, we're checking our phones 20 times a day, we're, we send emails, this is how we stay connected to people, that we don't have the access in our district to do that. So how are we going to participate in telemedicine, right? So we have one of the highest uh, infant mortality rates, we have low life expectancy, we have substance abuse and uh, suicide rates that are just off the charts. How can we participate in telemedicine? How can we get professionals directly into our living rooms if we don't have broadband? I think broadband should be classified as an essential utility and everyone needs to be able to hook up to that service so that we all have the same tools of success literally at our fingertips. So, and these are things that aren't being brought to the district, mainly because uh, 
you know, maybe lack of attention of the of your opponent, but also uh, a lack of resources throughout the state. And the the idea that um, you know this district is being re represented by a minority member and, and probably a minority member that uh, you know for the foreseeable future um, is is that uh, you know putting this district at a disadvantage. To be represented by the member of the minority right now does put our district at a disadvantage. I mean, it's it's great for the Republican Party here in our district to have the assembly minority leader uh, representing us. But even as the assembly minority leader, uh, he doesn't have access to the room where they're making decisions about the allocation of resources because that room is owned by Democrats. And if we want to have a voice there, if we want to advocate for our district, and if we want to be able to pull resources home, then we need to have a Democrat in there speaking up for us and demanding that we get the attention and the investment from the state that we need and deserve to be successful. So, but, you know, the, one of the reasons it is being represented by, uh, this district is being represented by a minority um, uh, candidate uh, and Republican candidate is because it does have a significant Republican tilt. Uh, at least, you know, the plurality is uh, enrolled um, Republican. And uh, so you're going to have to piece together a coalition to, to win. What are your plans on doing that? Sure. So from the beginning, even two years ago when I ran the first time, I've been reaching out to people in different parties. I've been forging those relationships and uh, doing my best to get the message out and it resonates with people. I've talked to Republican mothers who are upset because their children have gone away to college and they won't come home because there's no jobs. Oh, I say, what did your kids study? Oh, um, renewable energy. So <laughs> I find it odd that here in our district where we have plenty of wind resources, solar resources, water resources, that we can't keep our children home so that resonates with, with parents uh, across, across all political spectrums. You know, when I, when I'm also an outdoorsman. So when I, when I speak to uh, groups of hunters or groups of other uh, people who use the trails, you know, I have real things to say. I can, I can, you know, make sure people know I'm not out to take people's guns. Yes, I'm a Democrat, but I'm also a hunter. I am with you in the fact that we need someone in that room who understands the outdoorsman and understands the tools that we use to do our trade and can speak up for us in that room of Democrats who maybe we don't have as much experience in that room. So, right. And so, you know, we not, well, first off, I'm on with Gail Tosh. She's uh, running for Assembly uh, 120th District, which is in the north part of Onondaga County, northwest Lysander, uh, part, most of Oswego County and parts of Jefferson County. Um, this is a rural district, right? You talked about broadband and talked about being a farmer. Um, but, you know, I, yeah, there's the cities of Oswego and uh, in, in the village of Baldwinsville, uh, or at least part of the village of Baldwinsville, it's, uh, in the district. And so there are some urban and suburban aspects to it, but it's also highly rural as well. Does the, um, does the 
incongruity of the district come into play here? I mean, you're, you've got to speak to different types of people when campaigning. You're, this is not a, you know, a city district that's just, you know, a homogenous, uh, you know, district in terms of urban, uh, you know, uh, uh, infrastructure. This, you need to be able to do all kinds of uh, uh, legislative uh, uh, work uh, in this district. Yeah, I agree. Um, and there we have, you're right, we have urban, suburban, and rural. So there's lots going on in the district. So one thing, there's things that play across all of those. The poverty in the district is the same, except for very small pockets. Like right here in Baldwinsville, we have the Radisson sub-district. Sub and that's known as, as, a, as a wealthy area to live. But we don't have a whole lot of those in the 120th. Um, so poverty really cuts across uh, every different type of class of, of living situation that we have, whether it's rural, suburban, or urban. Uh, and that's, that's really where we need to be paying attention. We need to be bringing jobs to our district. We need to get these factories back up and running. We have empty buildings just rotting away when we could be inviting the renewable energy field to start coming in here, manufacturing products. We could be putting up windmills and, and, uh, and putting out more solar panels because Governor Cuomo in April was talking about massive public works projects to put our state back to work so that we can continue to generate revenue. We need to be a part of that. His specific plan was to bring energy from upstate, western, central New York down to uh, more populated areas. And that's exactly, that's exactly how we can fit into the new economy that's going to come out of the COVID. That's how we come out of our COVID uh, into our recovery where we were better than where we went in before, before we, it started. So you ran two years ago. Uh, and, uh, you know, you lost, uh, but, um, you know, there's history is filled with people who lost their first race and then uh, were, was successful uh, on the second bite of the apple. Just, you know, just to the, um, you know, the uh, west of you there or the east of you, Al Sturby lost a race and then, and then won as well. So what is different this year? Why do you, why did you, uh, jump back into it after, uh, you know, two years ago. Sure. So we have to start at the beginning, which is two years ago. I was an absolute unknown two years ago. Uh, nobody knew who I was. I hardly even knew what was happening myself. But what I've learned and those relationships that I made took my candidacy to a place that was really unexpected two years ago. I, I was expected to get 18 or 19% of the vote. And from the things that we did, I earned 31%. So it's hard to walk away from, from that kind of overachievement and say, oh, well, I did my best. You know, so really I thought from the beginning that this would be a three time deal to see if I could uh, to win this seat. The first time I knew would be to get my name out there. The second time would be to get the issues out there so people could really hear them. And I figured the third time would really to be going toe to toe with Bill Barkley and taking this across the district. As it turns out this year, the political situation is just things, it's just not unimaginable from two years ago. We never thought that we would be where we are now. Um, my campaign uh, is, is 
growing. I have so many volunteers. It's, it's a different landscape than it was two years ago. I'm so proud of what we are doing. We are reaching more voters. There's more traffic to my website every single day. So the difference is the involvement of the community. My plan from two years ago is working. My name got out there. People are coming, you know, around the banner of getting a Democrat into office and they're helping push this, push everything out even further and faster and stronger than I could do by myself. So that's the difference this year. It's the people. It's the people saying, yes, this is what we want. I imagine it being a presidential year is helping you a little bit as well. I, <laughs> just a little bit, yeah. I mean, but I mean, it does show that turnout, although turnout in 2018 was uh, a record level uh, for New York State uh, for a midterm, it still pales in comparison to what a normal presidential turnout and and we're seeing um massive presidential turnout uh expected for this year so uh how are you going to reach these voters that maybe don't necessarily vote every year but they only vote with presidents how do you keep them on the line for you well this year i'm pretty lucky they're they're on the line so i think what we do now is we continue to collect those names. We could continue to collect those people and, and put our, our hand out and bring more people into uh, what we're trying to do because they'll still be there two years from now and they'll bring their friends with them. And I'm saying that because that's what happened this year. You know, uh, we've, we're just, we've just grown exponentially and the message really seems to be touching people. So, um, you know, your opponent uh, has been a vocal advocate or a vocal opponent of a lot of the uh, election reforms that have happened in New York State over uh, the last several years that we're seeing really play out this year. Um, the, is that something that uh, you take issue with or is that something that you're, uh, you know, the, that, you know, because I, I think, you know, some of the rural voters are really benefiting from these uh, uh, these reforms uh, this year as well. So, how how do you see your role in that? And, you know, this started as election podcast, so I always like to try to ask some elections questions. Uh, I think that as Americans, we should all have access to vote. That's that's what our society is based on. That's what everyone around the world looks to when they think about what they want their own system to be like. They want everyone to have the access to vote and to vote freely. And I say this with knowledge because I lived in a totalitarian country where they were, they had the option to vote, but they were told who they would vote for. And that country is Belarus and they are uh, screaming and protesting for their right to have what we have here. And we as Americans do not understand our civic duty. It is a duty to vote for your government. Um, so I believe that uh, we should automatically be registered to vote on our 18th birthday um, when, when we get out of prison and we've served our time and, and, uh, and what we owe to our community, then we should have the right to vote returned to us. Um, to disenfranchise people from the right to vote is, ju is just wrong. It's just wrong. So, um, you know, being a farmer, uh, the issue of climate change it has to be affecting your daily life. Uh, you know, where I saw today that uh, 
upstate New York, almost everywhere is in upstate New York is uh, experiencing a drought. Uh, we had one of our hottest summers on record and uh, which was previously followed by one of the hottest winters on record. Um, and that's surprising for upstate New York and for central New York um, in particular. How do you how do you see the New York State Legislature handling this? Uh, and what would you see as your role as a, an assembly person? So climate change, yeah, the weather has been extremely wonky. Um, and as far as being in the legislature, what I would assume is we would encourage uh, all new construction to have alternative energy in some form uh, in its construction. Uh, we, would, we also need to uh, clean up our waters for sure. Um, we need to start paying attention to what our factories are putting into uh, the air around us and the water underneath us and the ground. It's, it's crazy how, how we are the only major country in the world that denies that human beings are a part of climate change. Um, we are definitely contributing to the demise of what keeps us all alive. And it's vitally important that we protect our natural resources. So that's how I stand. And, and the legislature is where those rules are made for, especially the corporations that are using up resources and putting out garbage. We need to find ways to uh, mediate that. And while, uh, you know, I, I should mention I'm, uh, you're on with Zoom with Zarni, this is Gail Tosh, uh, interviewing Gail Tosh, Democratic candidate for New York State Assembly 120th, uh, representing uh, Lysander and uh, most of Oswego County, as well as parts of Jefferson County. Um, Gail, you know, we're on Zoom we're living our lives, uh, you know, um, in, in a virtual way because of um, COVID and, and, and what it's done to our society. But on top of what it's done to our society, it's decimated local government budgets and New York state budgets. How, how do you see um, New York addressing this? We were already facing a huge budget shortfall and, and now we're hearing about massive school cuts and other things. How do you see um, New York State dealing with the COVID crisis and, and, the, and the fiscal uh, impact it has on our local governments? Sure. So that's a great question. So first going forward, um, after next year, I, I'm hoping that we are going to have a new administration in the White House. The federal government has not provided the relief that it has, it's required to do. Um, especially all the way down to the local governments. Now, our state government, I'm on board with what Governor Cuomo uh, was talking about with public works projects. We have a lot of public works that need to be done. Uh, infrastructure is always in need of repair. So that will help get people back to work and start generating revenue. But I also think that we can trim the fat in the budget. There are a lot of private projects and pet projects for people um, that I think that we can go through and get rid of some of those so limit the funding, uh, make, make, make it more difficult to get that, that type of money. While at the same time, we have to make sure that those uh, economic development monies are going to actual 
small businesses who will be able to put New Yorkers back to work immediately. So that's, that's how we fix that problem. Uh, and how do we address the growing health uh, crisis with it though? I mean, we have a lot of people out of work and they lost uh, their health insurance uh, or, or, or are about to. Um, and uh, we see this massive assault on Obamacare uh, by the current administration, which uh, may result in a Supreme Court decision, uh, especially in light of um, the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, how, what is New York's role in uh, dealing with the healthcare crisis? Sure. So how unfortunate is it in the first place that only people with certain professions um, are valued enough to have health insurance? I don't think that lines up with all of us having the same access to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, because I don't know how we have any of those things without our health. So I see New York's role in that as passing the New York Health Act, um, because that will give health insurance, health care to all residents of the state. And some people are going to say, but you know, I only want to pay for my own. Well, if that's the way you feel, surprise, surprise, you're not only paying for your own. You're paying already for everyone else's health insurance. But what you're also paying for, which in your private plan, which we wouldn't be paying for in the New York Health Act, is for the bonuses and the stock options and the yachts that all the CEOs of these health insurance companies uh, are privileged to. So what the New York Health Act will do is give us the same health insurance op, uh, coverage that we have at a 20%, at roughly a 20% discount for both ourselves and our employers. So that's gonna free up a lot of money for a lot. Of, that's gonna be for some people, if you're spending $1,000 a month on your family's health insurance, you're now gonna get $200 a month back. That's $2,400 in a year. That's substantial savings that you can, you can do something with that money. You can fix something in your house. You can buy something that you need uh, to take care of your yard. I mean, that's substantial money. So <clears throat> the state needs to pass the New York Health Act. Will Barkley has voted against this repeatedly, and I'm not sure why. People in our district are struggling from lack of health insurance. I have been talking to them, talked to one person who spends uh, his entire summer inside because he can't afford an EpiPen any longer and he's allergic to bees. I mean, where's his pursuit of happiness? Where's his access to, to liberty? Doesn't seem that he's, he's getting it, so. Yeah, and, and the way and the way that we deal with the health crisis in our district is we bring telemedicine here so that we can get doctors directly into the living rooms of these rural communities where they don't have access to transportation to get them from where they are to any doctors that might be there. And we don't have enough doctors to begin with. So we're in a real crisis up here in our district. Yeah, and uh, you're, uh, but and that leads back to broadband. Right. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're going to have, uh, you know, telemedicine, uh, you have to have broadband to go along with it to have a reliable connect connection to be able to provide, you know, the access to the doctors that you may not be able to drive to or 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 don't want to because you don't want to risk uh, 
um, you know, infection for a routine doctor visit. And so what would be your plan to bring broadband to, uh, to the 120th? My plan would be to work with other district leaders uh, and the broadband providers and um, do what needs to be done to classify it as a utility, um, an essential utility, and make sure that it gets provided to all the homes. And in some cases, that might mean I get in my car and I drive to someone's house and say, can you get on the internet? Because when I was out there knocking on doors two years ago, I would go to people's homes and they didn't have reliable access to electricity. And you know, this is 2020, folks. We are so reliant on our technology. It, it just blows my mind that this is not a given that, that broadband is already a utility and hooked up to every home with the same, with the same quality that we can find in the rich, rich districts down in New York City. Everybody deserves the same high quality broadband, the same tools of success. And you mentioned earlier that you're uh, homeschooling. Uh, how old are your kids, by the way? Uh, I have a 15-year-old and an 11-year-old. Well, I have an 11-year-old too, so I uh, uh, I understand exactly what's going on. Uh, uh, and you're homeschooling uh, uh, your, your your I assume your 11-year-old, your 15-year-old is is he is he homeschooled as well, or is he going to high school, or is he? Well, my 15-year-old is at his dad's. Um, he's going back and forth to the BOCES program. He's in early childhood development. So uh, he's great with kids. And, it, and we need more male role models with young children. So I think it's fantastic. That is. But, you know, schools across New York State are looking at also massive uh, budget shortfalls. And, and there was an inequity before this year. Uh, with the school aid formulas uh, that are uh, proposed by the legislature and, and put into, uh, you know, into um, effect by the governor. Um, and this hurts schools, not just in urban settings, but in rural settings who, who feel like they've been short uh, changed on, uh, on the necessary aid they need to provide the services that we want for our kids. How, how would you address uh, school aid funding? Well, Two years ago when I started running, I realized that the state of New York owed, owed the education department close to a billion dollars or something like that. I forget the exact figure now, but I, I was absolutely mortified and surprised that that was the state of affairs. And I think that our school systems before uh, had some areas that needed to be uh, addressed. And I think coming out of COVID, we can take some of the new things that we've learned and put them together with some of the ideas that we had before and reimagine our school systems as we move forward. It, I'm not sure exactly how much money it's gonna cost. I haven't sat down and crunched the numbers, but we need to do a better job of taking care of our children and taking care of the people who care for our children all day, every day. There's many ways that, that we can do that. Um, we definitely need to have appropriate staffing in schools. And right now, schools don't even have a single nurse for each and every school system or a school, school in the school district, let alone uh, behavioral counselors and things like that. So we're asking our schools to do too much right now. And I think that as we kind of compartmentalize, we can um, spread those costs over different departments. Uh, and I'd be remiss to not talk about uh, the growing unrest around our country on racial matters. Uh, you know, the, um, 
and you know, with the tragedy of the Breonna Taylor situation just unfolding over the last couple of days. Um, and I think people think of this as just urban issues, but you know, there, just because you're outside of a city limit doesn't mean there aren't uh, people of color. There, there aren't, you know, a multitude of, of races inside your district that are affected by this, these issues uh, every single day. Um, how do you, you know, how will you represent them? How will you represent uh, the people in your district that, uh, um, that are, I mean, everyone is affected by racism. It, it, it's, a, it's a scorn on our, our society that, that hurts all of us, but it impacts many people so hard. How um, can you use your voice to emphasize Black Lives Matters and, and the movement that, um, um, that it is, uh, you know, speaking out about social justice? Sure. So one thing about our district is there's more minorities here than people think. You know, we are we're a colorful area. We just are. We, we are not homogenous. We're not all white. We're not all Christian. First of all, we have to say that. Uh, secondly, how will I um, support those voices? Well, first of all, I see. I see you. I see you and your differences. Not only do I see you, but I myself am a member of a marginalized community. I'm a lesbian. And um, I keep that in the forefront of my thoughts that even though the people are different, we are still all the same. We are all created equal. And that's how I will legislate for all people in my district by remembering all, all marginalized communities. And it's not just the marginalized communities that want to be represented by someone who believes that Black Lives Matter and that gay people are, should have the same rights as straight people. Right now in Mexico, we have a group of people who have been demonstrating for 15 Fridays in a row for Black Lives Matter. They are out there uh, in all kinds of weather, waving their signs, and um, it's mostly a white crowd. So I want to say this is not just a black and brown issue. This is an issue for everybody, um, and it's an issue that I'm ready to lead on for sure. Thanks for the question. Yeah. Well, um, I'm on with uh, Gail Tosh, uh, who's a Democrat running for assembly out in the 120th Assembly District, which is Lysander and parts of Oswego, most of Oswego and parts of Jefferson County. Uh, and you're on with Zulu Zarni. Um, we're going to be wrapping up shortly. It's been a wonderful conversation. But I want um, to kind of give the floor to you. What haven't we talked about today? What's important that we haven't been able to touch on? that you want the constituents of the 120th to know? Well, that's a really good question. Um, uh, things that I think we should talk about for sure are the fact that even though uh, I've talked about being a lesbian and I'm a woman and I'm a Democrat, and I touched on this a little bit before, I am an outdoorsman. And I definitely will keep those thoughts in mind as I pass legislation and have conversations with people who are making the laws who are not outdoorsmen. And that's the key, you know, to make sure that while we are passing laws that will protect people from mass shootings, because we cannot allow uh, these, these shootings to continue to happen. But at the same time, we can't push aside the needs of our outdoorsmen who are in many cases 
supplementing the food that they bring home to their families. So this is an important thing that uh, we need to have that voice in the room. And the other thing I worry about is uh, speaking truth to power. You know, my, my opponent, Will Barkley, who is the Assembly Minority Leader, has been talking about several different issues um, that I necess don't necessarily think are, are uh, priority issues for our district, but maybe uh, for the rest, for the whole state in general. And one of the things that he's been talking about is the mismanagement of the nursing homes in our state, especially during April, during, during COVID. And I understand that looking back with hindsight, we can all find problems with everything that was done and things that we could be doing better. But in April, when the issues were happening that Mr. Barkley is upset about, he didn't once mention nursing homes. In fact, his whole, um, his whole speech, everything that he had something to say about was let's open up fishing. And why does he want to open up fishing? Well, because his family owns some of the best salmon fishing grounds in the country. Um, and uh, with that privilege, uh, he, didn't, he didn't talk about nursing homes, he talked about himself. So let's, let's think about, uh, let's, let's really focus on the facts when we listen to our assembly leader and what he's talking about. And I think uh, it's important for us to, do, to vote our hopes and not our fears. So finally, uh, this is a campaign, you are out there. Uh, and, but how can people, where can they go to find out more about you? And how, where can they go to find out how to help you? Sure, if you wanna find out more about me, I suggest you go to my website, www.electgailtosh.com. There you can find more about my history. My whole platform is laid out. Uh, you can see a lot of everything that's been written about me in the paper and the media. Uh, if you want to find out how to help out, please find me on Facebook at uh, Gail Tosh for State Assembly. There you can see everything that we're doing. You can see all of the videos that we're pushing out with the messages that we have. Um, and there's also, you can leave me a message. We'll contact you back that same day, most likely, and uh, find out how we can uh, put you to work with the campaign. I'd love to have you. Well, Gail, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on Zoom and Zarni. And uh, uh, I, I know that you're gonna be doing a lot of these things over the next few weeks. So I hope that you, uh, uh, um, that you uh, are successful and I hope that we can deliver you good news on election night. But also I just wanna say thank you again for running and putting yourself out there. It's hard to, do, to be out there in, in the best of circumstances, but even harder right now. And, uh, so thank you again. Well, thank you for all of your support. Uh, you've always been there through the years and I really appreciate it. And this is a great opportunity. Thank you so much. So remember to go to electgailtosh.com and help her out. Uh, volunteer if you can, give money if you can. Uh, and most importantly, if you're living in the 120th Assembly District, uh, look for her on the ballot. Those ballots are available now. Uh, absentee balloting is happening. Uh, you can apply at onvote.net. Uh, and get a ballot sent to you, or you can go to early voting starting on October 24th or Election Day, of course, on November 10th. Uh, for the United Democrats, this is Dustin Zarni. Thank you very much for uh, tuning in. Uh, next week, we will have uh, uh, our state Supreme Court uh, candidate, Rory McMahon, who is running in a six-county district all throughout all Central New York uh, to be our next state Supreme Court justice. And I hope you tune in.
and uh, most importantly, I hope you are safe and uh, getting out there to participate in the most important election in our life. Thank you very much, and bye-bye.